This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential and our final and complete prediction show for the Oscars 2021. And with me, of course, the awards maestro and our friend Eric Anderson, Editor-in-Chief <laughs> at Awards Watch. Eric, thank you so much for being here. We're here. We're in the last week. It's almost here. I can't believe it. It's been the longest time, <laughs> but it's so much fun too. I mean, once you start approaching these last few days, the excitement starts to build, right? I I love it, and I as I, I've said to, to others, I love it just as the you know outsider talking about it. I would hate to be uh, a nominee in any of this and having to go through this <laughs> long, crazy season. I it just it's a lot. And without all the fun parties they usually go to and the meetups and how they get to know each other, that must be a little bit disappointing, at least for the four or five, you know, new nominees that are this year. For real. Yeah. I I was thinking the same thing. Andrew Day, Paul, Paul Rassi are, you know, people that are brand new to a lot of people. Um and and I think they could have benefited from this, not just from a networking standpoint, but you know, you you have these A-listers that are like super supportive of of these nominations and of these actors, and you know, it's nice to have that that interaction and and face to face. Yeah, I've really understood that through the years that this becomes like a, a, a new friendships are built, and it's a for life thing when they go to all these different parties and screenings and and luncheons and all that, and they're really missed out this year. I mean exciting anyway but but it really is yeah. a different year for everyone yeah so let's get into this i'm so excited to hear your final predictions here eric <laughs> let's start with writing original screenplay and the nominees are judas and the black messiah minari promising young woman sound of metal the trial of the chicago seven so we have of course emerald Fennell who is nominated here, Lee Isaac Chung, Aaron Sorkin. It's a fantastic group. It is. I think it's pretty competitive. Uh, although, you know, I, I have my feeling of what is going to win and what should win and, and the type of screenplay that wins here. Uh, but it, I, think it's, I think it's pretty competitive and it's a really good group. So who are you going for? <laughs> <laughs> I am going for the BAFTA Writers Guild and Critics' Choice winner, Promising Young Woman here. Me too. I think it's in the bag. I'm absolutely 100. I think Emerald has it here. This is the one she's going to win. It's such an original screenplay in this original screenplay category that tends to go for some exciting original screenplays by, you know, people like... Sofia Coppola and uh, Wes Anderson and things like that. Sure, and Jordan Peele. This is this is often the category where voters are are like, I would love to vote this for Best Picture, but I'm just a little too scared. So let's go, <laughs> let's go with original screenplay. <laughs> okay, so is it adapted where they may be a more a bit more traditional, but we do have Borat here, subsequent movie film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. So another woman, historically, Chloe Zhao. Yes, and and if you know Fanel and Zhao both win their categories, it will be the first time ever that two women won the screenplay categories in the same year uh, solo by themselves without a male co-writer. I think it was um, 2007, right, where um, Diablo Cody won for Juno. But then there's been there's been several nominated, but always together with a male co-writer. Yes, the last time that two, the last time that women won both of these categories was uh, 2003 when Sofia Coppola won uh, original for Lost in Translation, and then Fran Walsh and uh, Philippa Boyens won for Return of the King. But Peter Jackson was a co-writer and co-winner on that that year. Well, that's it's been far too long. So what do you say here? I actually think this is a little more competitive than. And maybe some people think, although, you know, a lot of us, I guess, in this circle 
think kind of the same way in that Nomad Land and the Father are obviously, you know, the two front runners here. And the Father just won BAFTA over Nomad Land, uh, which has Critics' Choice and the uh, USC. And they were both Writers Guild ineligible, which is too bad because I really would have liked to see that that face-to-face -face competition. But I think this might be, it's, I think it's the best place to reward the father and the most likely place, but it's tough. It's really tough. Both, both of these screenplays are absolutely crucial to their films. I think the father a little bit more so in, in the structure of it and helping us understand, uh, the path of dementia that Anthony Hopkins character goes through for Nomadland. I think there might be some voters who see it as less a writerly thing because it, it doesn't feel like anybody's reading lines. You know what I mean? It feels like they're just kind of being, and that could work to its disadvantage. Right. It's based on a nonfiction book. And I think maybe people, a lot of people sort of, since there's a lot of non-actors in it, is it improvised, which is, I'm sure it's not, but I mean, there's a feeling around it that's not so, as you say, scriptly. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot that is uh, improvised and it's sort of, it, you know, it might be like how Mike Lee's, you know, screenplays are regarded that are, generally kind of rough outlines and then it's created in the moment. Um, I still think Nomadland is going to win, but I think it's very close. I think so too. And I have to ask you, Eric, how much often we talk about this sort of spread the wealth idea that an Oscar voter is actually thinking, hmm, I'm going to do the father here and then I'm going to do this one in and everyone gets one. Do they really think like that? Is that something you've seen statistically? No, I mean, I can't say that that that's how they how they think, and it would it would seem kind of weird to be <laughs> to be quite so deliberate. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, we have seen a few years where like every best picture nominee does win something, and so there does sort of seem like like. Like that might be a thing, but you'd have to create this uh, level of, I mean, collusion really in order for that to happen. <laughs> and we'll actually get to, to something along those lines later on in a different category. Um, but I, I do think that there is an element to that where Clearly, you know, the father is competitive in this category and in best actor. And, and, and I think, I think this would be a place to spread that wealth because Nomadland is, is pretty far out in other categories. So yeah, there is a way for that to happen, but I think what happens sometimes and how we get some surprises sometimes is the assumption of the front runner. And when there's an assumption there and then people are like, okay, well, that's already going to win. So I can put my vote over here. If mm. enough, pe enough people think like that, that shifts the balance. And I know I'm not thinking uh, um, One Night in Miami either, but Kemp Powers is nominated. He's, he's involved in several movies, One Night in Miami, as well as, as, as Soul. Um, are people talking about him in writing at all? I would say he's, I don't know if he's really in the mix. I think the, the fact that he is not nominated for Soul mm. because of how the, the rules work for being labeled a co-director. Oh, right. He's not even nominated. He is I not nominated. so strange. It's really kind of awful that the first Black-led Pixar film has a Black oh, co-director yeah. and is not nominated. But that's a whole nother can of worms. Um, so yeah, there might, there might be some, you know, runoff, I guess, of that from, from soul to this, but I, I, I don't think that, I don't think there's really any 
anything beyond Nomadland and the father that could break through. Well, I'm going for Nomadland too, and the father as a um, close second, and we yes. wouldn't be surprised. So visual yeah. effects, love and monsters, the midnight sky, Mulan, the one and only Ivan and Tenet. Do you have any idea here? Uh, yeah, I think this is going to go to Tenet. And I had, I waited on my predictions. I just did these yesterday and, you know, I wanted to, to look at all of the possible precursors before I, I made any decisions, even if, you know, I had something that I thought was the, the total front runner and, you know, Midnight Sky did beat Tenet at the Visual Effects Society, but Tenet won BAFTA. And I just feel that is a stronger path uh, to, to win here, as well as it having the production design nomination, as mm -hmm. so many of Christopher Nolan films have. And, and his films have won this category before. So I, I think there's, a, there's a, a recognition there, even though the film was not, you know, put into the Academy's online screening room because Nolan has been such a stickler about how people see the movie. Oh, right. So if, he, if this loses, I think that's the reason that it loses. And, and do you think people just sort of pissed off at his whole attitude this year? I think maybe a little bit. I, I think a, a little bit. I, I don't want to say anything, you know, uh, make any type of grand gesture statement. So I, I don't, I, I can't say anything for sure. Yeah. But <laughs> obviously, uh, but something like The Midnight Sky is already readily available and has been since December uh, on Netflix. And in terms of, of films this year, it has the most visual effects. And sometimes that's all it takes. And There's it's always Netflix. An, and it's Netflix. You know, there, there can be an ex machina here and there, but rarely. Uh, and usually, you know, it will go to uh, the the film with the most and there's no best picture nominee represented here. So it's a little bit of a free for all. But I think Tenet should still take it. I haven't seen the one and only Ivan, just to be clear here in case that, but so I'm not even counting that. But I am, watch me change on Sunday, but I'm actually going for the Midnight Sky. I think that's, yeah. that's fair. <laughs> I think it has in the most effects. I think it has Clooney. It has Netflix. It has a little bit more positive vibe um going to, i don't know there's just something i feel uh, about sort of the, the friends in the business <laughs> when they're actually seeing this but but I, I i just i could change on sunday but that's what i'm going with now uh, and i i had the midnight sky in over tenant for quite a while and and i just I, I don't know it's it's one of those two something else getting in mulan love and monsters or one and only ivan would be a bit of a surprise Although Ivan and Mulan did win, you know, separate visual effects society awards, not the big one, but, mm -hmm. you know, little individual ones. Mank did too, but it did not get nominated here. So I don't know. I just don't think, I don't think anything else really has the, the strength. And, and again, this year of all years, visibility is, is pretty key. So that's what makes Tenet a little tenuous here. Let's move on to sound. There we have Greyhound, Mank, News of the World, Soul, and Sound of Metal. This feels like Sound of Metal has all the momentum. Oh, and I just want to say that there's only one sound sound category this year. It used to be two. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really happy about that. I wish it was still two. They are two very distinct um, crafts, and. I think it's unfortunate, but, you know, we also just saw Bohemian Rhapsody win both sound awards, which clearly don't really shows understand it. <laughs> clearly still, after all this time, the voters at large do not understand the difference between the two. So I, I get it. I get it. But, you know, it's going to be really hard for something to get 14 nominations now. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. But are you also going with Sound of Metal, Newt? 
I am going with Sound of Metal. I just did my uh, prediction piece for that this morning. And yeah, I am going with Sound of Metal. It has BAFTA. It has the Cinema Audio Society. It did lose all of its motion picture sound editors nominations, which was a little bit of a shock. But I yeah, don't know. Yeah, that went to Greyhound, right? Greyhound and Soul and Trial of the Chicago 7 won the dialogue, but they are not nominated here. Mm, right, right. And I think pretty clearly had these categories remained split, that Trial would have been nominated for sound mixing and possibly Nomadland as well, which did get in at BAFTA. The sound and sound of metal is so innovative and so layered into the um, theme of the movie that it, it's pretty impressive, I have to say. It's the titular role. <laughs> it is exactly as we talked about last time. <laughs> I, I just, I wish I could post that the, the, the Beanie Feldstein gift from Ladybird just to exactly. say that's it over my, and over. That's my big thing with the supporting um, Daniel Kaluuya and, and Lakeith Stanfield for Jews in the Black Messiah. It's the titular role. <laughs> Why are they supporting? <laughs> Both of them, really. Um, I do think that there is there is a chance for an upset by Soul here. Um, it's clearly second place. I don't think anything is is close. Uh, Sound of Metal won its you know the animated uh, categories for CAS and MPSE, also BAFTA nominated. It's the first animated film to get a sound nomination in ten years, and. Oh, wow. And that's, I, I, I can't discount that. I can't, I can't overlook it. Uh, one of the nominees, Ren Kleiss, who's also nominated for Mank, is a nine-time nominee. Um, I think there Him is- Him and Glenn this year. <laughs> I know. I think, there's, I think there's potential for a soul upset. Mm. Uh, and, you know, both of these films, Sound of Metal and Soul, are their entire subject is is music and it's why they are here and how they incorporate that into their films but sound of metal should still be able to take this pretty easily yeah i'm going with that one too so short film live action um two of these i haven't seen so i'm kind of going on what i've read about those but feeling through the letter room the present two distant strangers and white eye do you know what you're going I do. I did my my predictions for these. Uh, I I kind of I kind of went back and forth. I did ultimately land on feeling through over two distant strangers, which I which I think is is a risk. I really think it's a risk uh, because two distant strangers has it's Netflix. It's got obvious visibility and it just it makes sense of the winner it has a timely nature to it even if it's slightly problematic um so it it makes sense as a winner and but i, I think a lot do the present which won bafta could be a winner uh short films about israeli palestine conflict have won here before uh, the letter room has Oscar Isaac. There might be, you know, just star quality visibility there. I have not seen that. That's the one I haven't seen. It's fine. It's fine. It's probably my least favorite of, of the five. White Eye, I think, is pretty outstanding as a film. 20 minutes, all single shot, uh, intriguing story. Uh, but I do, I do think that there is, there's an, element of feeling through that has empathy to it, which, which I think is the overriding theme of so many films this year. That's why I'm going with that one. That's it you just are. Feels, yes. It yeah. just feels so right this year um, with that and the theme. I mean, it's not the most, um, it's a simple movie, but it's a, with a lot of feeling. Um, I'm, I'm, yes. I think that one is going to go into people's hearts. Yes, it sort of is like it is. It is simple, uh, you know, not in in good ways and bad ways. Um, but it, it reminds me, in a sense, of the 
the film that won the neighbor's window one a few years ago uh, about the, the people seeing something they think is happening across the street in a neighbor's house. That was of the nominees. It was sort of the lightest and easiest uh, and less confrontational. And with the short categories, it's always, there's always very, very political, very dramatic, uh, and often very tragic uh, stories being told. And I think sometimes those do extremely well, and sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. It's too much. So I, I, I think that, and that's kind of fed into all of my short predictions, really. Okay, well, let's move on to animated then. Um, Burrow, Genius Loki, If Anything Happens, I Love You, Opera, and Yes People. I'm going with If Anything Happens, yes, I Love You. me too. <laughs> uh, before I saw anything, I had only seen Burrow and, you know, I had just, that was my number one as a kind of a- Which is cute. I, I mean, Burrow is good. It is really good. I like it quite a bit. And it might be able to win on, just on the strength of that. But I think that if anything happens, I love you is clearly it's it's interesting too, considering the subject matter, which you know, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler saying that there's a school shooting element of it. Uh that you know, animated films take more time to be made. So this was made obviously pre-pandemic when we were still going through mass shootings and school shootings all the time in the United States. Now it's kind of happening again in the United States now that the pandemic is easing, which says a lot. Um, but I think it's going to, I think it's going to hit the right emotional notes. It's produced and backed by Laura Dern. And that is more than enough for me to, to predict it. Mm. Yes. This has, this has everything that you said. Um, and, as I was mentioning with the last category, I just think this is so in the moment. And, and I think the feeling right now um, when we're not meeting each other, when we're not talking as much, I mean, people are, if they're actually seeing this movie, is they're really going on feeling. Um, and with Laura Darn, I, I, I think this is a front runner. Yeah. It's, it is an extraordinarily emotional film. The first, I mean, the first half, I was just sobbing. I it was I was I oh, was yeah. just in shock, yeah. uh, and so I I don't know I think that's just going to get people. All right, well we're very much in <laughs> alignment with each other here. Let's go to production design. So production design, I have one which my heart wants, but that's not the one I'm going to pick if I want to win some cold hard cash. But I'll tell you, <laughs> I, I would be but we I'd have... be willing to bet that your pick for that is also mine. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Well, I'll go first. Well, the first, the nominees are The Father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, News of the World, and Tenet. Mm -hmm. So do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. <laughs> okay, so I am so utterly impressed by the production design in The Father. I just think it was what made, you know, disoriented me. Um, it was very seldom you see production design so intertwined with what actually is happening in the, you know the heads of people in the way that it is in this movie. I thought it was absolutely fantastic, but I think that Mank is going to take this. Yes, we are completely perfectly aligned. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mank is going to take this quite easily. It has absolutely steamrolled and won every, every, everything up to this point it's great i mean that's not what i'm saying yeah. i just think that yeah it is great but you're absolutely right the set decoration and the production design and the father is like film editing and like the screenplay absolutely integral to us understanding and being in the mindset of somebody that is in those stages of dementia it is shockingly uh well designed and I said this in a podcast I did yesterday I'm so happy that it made it in here because this is the kind of of nomination that deserves to happen every single year it doesn't always need to be a period piece or a science fiction piece 
you know, contemporary production design that is integral to a story should be seen as exactly the same. And I'm so happy that it is here because it's so deserving. If this element of the filmmaking of the father wouldn't have worked this well, I mean, the movie would not have worked. Yeah. This is so integral to understanding the whole character's state of mind, but quite simply, with these subtle, subtle things, I was so impressed. Yeah, that's that's what's that's the great success of this and of of Florian Zeller's direction is that none of none of these these things are hit you over the head with here's what's going on now. You're just no, you're right. you're experiencing it, and it puts you off at first. You're just you're like it takes a minute to understand what's going on, uh, and. Oh yeah, I was that's like, the, you know, that's what, why what, it's so what happened with the kitchen. Yeah, that's why it's so <laughs> it's good. Like, yeah. And it's why it's it yeah, it just it just creates a level of immersiveness that other other films simply can't accomplish as well. You don't think people are having this discussion like we are before they pick? I think so. I think I think maybe, maybe, but well, no, I'm not still as... sticking with Mank. I'm gonna. Oh yeah, I would <laughs> never budge from Mank here ever. I'm playing it safe this year because some th- this year I find so difficult that uh, that I don't want to veer too much to. <laughs> Last year I was I, I did very well um, going off the rails, but I don't think I would this year. <laughs> but let's move <laughs> let's move on to original song music. Sure. We have. Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah. Hear My Voice, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Husavik from uh, Eurovision Song Contest. EOC from The Life Ahead. And Speak Now from One Night in Miami. So Leslie Odom Jr., who's been everywhere I with know. Speak Now. This category is so hard. There's three front runners here, really, there right? There absolutely are three. And obviously, I, I know that we have the same three in mind um and that's speak now uh eoc and husavik and they all can stake a really really strong claim to win here and it doesn't really have anything to do with the precursors because they've all every all films here except for fight for you have won some one version of the of the precursors that this category provides which are actually a lot now they have, there's five um but and initially I, I had UFC as the winner in my final predictions. I posted it and it was done. And then in since I had done them last week, because I was breaking them, breaking them over two weeks instead of doing cramming everything into one week. Um, but since then, Leslie Odom Jr. has been at every single guild presenting, singing at BAFTA. A group that a group that doesn't even have a song category, and I'm just look. And it was a good. It was a great performance. Great performance. And I'm just looking at this, going, okay, his team is really playing this game well, and 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 he is everywhere, and he is a supporting actor nominee. It's we're looking at at just a really really strong campaign at work here. And and on the other hand, Diane Warren is campaigning pretty well for herself. <laughs> all on her own i think she's fabulous she is and it's 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 really funny because she has such a great sense of humor about this this is her 12th nomination every single time she's nominated you know outlets do these big pieces on her and interviews and everything and it sort of it sort of becomes like an annual thing and this is her fourth year in a row being nominated um which is a record tied with Randy Newman and Randy Newman won on that fourth year. Finally. So I do, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is really hard. I'm going hard. with EOC actually for now. Um, and I come, I I've, Ahusavik, I don't think, even though I, I understand the point. It's actually a song that's in the movie, and 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 my Swedish heart, of course, pounds for. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so much fun for the, um, for the songwriters. But um, I think it's really between UC and Speak Now, and there's something about 
Diane Warren, it's her time. I don't know. I think it's pretty powerful. I think it's good. And if she wins, I'll be really happy. And and I'm with you. I think it's it's really, really between Speak Now and, and, and IOC. I, I, Hootsavik would be a deserving winner. And for me, of the five, it's the best song by a long shot. Oh, that'd be so much fun. Oh, absolutely. And it is the only song that's in the film as a part of the film. I said this on the this podcast yesterday. I would not be against a rule change in this category to not allow uh, end credit songs anymore. Because all oh, of, I think so too. All so of these cool. songs, except for Hussevik, are end credit songs <clears throat> that are kind of generic, really. They all feel the same, sound the same, have the same theme. And, you know, it, it feels... It feels just kind of tacked on, you know? Trial, uh, Black Messiah, Miami are all period pieces that use period songs in the film, but you can't really, you know, plop an original song in there during a period piece that people won't recognize. Right. So you just tack it on at the end and it's like a free Oscar nomination. And that's kind of a, I mean, it's really just a relatively new thing in terms of the Oscars in the last 20 years. Uh, whereas this category really used to be about songs in the film as a part of the film. They're just doing this for the Oscar nomination, it feels like. I know. It feels cheap. So I don't like it. But you're going with um, Speak Now. For right moment. now. <laughs> I am going with Speak Now. but uh, And I, this one I could change too, I have to say. Yeah, we'll, we'll, really we'll, see, we'll see Friday because Friday is, is when it's absolutely like permanently locked and like take my computer away locked. <laughs> So let's go to original score. The Five Bloods, Terrence Blanchard, Mank, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross, Minari, Emil Mosseri, um, News of the World, James Newton Howard, and Soul, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and John Batiste. Is it a Reznor-Ross? It would be a, It would be an absolute shock if it lost. Soul? Yeah. Yeah, absolute shock. I love Minari. Yes, I, would, I, would pref- I prefer Minari. It's the best of the five. Yeah, this is this is you know like La La Land Moonlight you know in this category for me where you know the quieter, gentler, you know beautiful piece is probably second place, but it's second place. <laughs> Moving on, we've got that one: makeup and hairstyling. This category has a film that that is a bit of a. Um, a notch in our relationship, Eric. <laughs> I think you, you have a you like It's here we have Emma, Hillbilly, Elegy, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, and Pinocchio. And I think you're so you're awfully generous to Hillbilly Elegy throughout our relationship. <laughs> you know, I think the makeup and hair in Hillbilly Elegy is quite good. I think it's pretty fantastic. And and there's more But that's all I thought about. Like the wig. Um, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. Okay. I didn't. I really, I think Glenn Close is very, very good here. If you ever need a wig, please let me help you. <laughs> I, prom- I promise I will. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's all I was going to say. I just, I, I think Le- uh, Close is very good. And I think the makeup in this is, is very good as well. But who's taking this? Because you don't, you think they'll... Oh, this is this is Ma Rainey. This is Ma Rainey, which is a fantastic because um, it's the first African American makeup team, right? Yeah, the, yeah. Me and Neil and, and Jamaica Wilson are the the first Black women, first Black people ever to be nominated here. And this is not the type of hair and makeup that normally gets in. Uh, you know, traditional Black hair is not not something that this group recognizes like ever. And, you know, the, the story, if you've, if you're a voter and you have, you know, paid any attention to, to this category and to the hair and makeup for Ma Rainey, it's a pretty fascinating journey. And one that is in a sense, similar to Dallas Buyers Club when it won, where, you know, they had a, a budget of like $250 for all of the makeup and 
they pulled off a win, you know, over films that spend millions on prosthetics and, and, and complicated makeup. And I think there's an element of that to Ma Rainey in that, you know, it's horsehair wigs that were covered in manure and lice and all of this that they used because it was what would have been available at the time. So the authenticity and the detail element of this is pretty spectacular. The grease paint makeup, it's, it's, it's a really perfect mix and combination. And again, like the father, I'm so happy to see a nominee like this here. And I think it's largely obviously because we are in an exceptional year. If we had, you know, these $200 million movies, we'd see Dune and West Side Story and stuff like that in categories like this. And, you know, maybe Ma Rainey would have uh, a struggle here or Pinocchio for that matter. Yeah, Pinocchio is more of the prosthetic one, right? I mean, that's very difficult in that. Sense. Yes. That, that category. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it would easily be my second Oh, Ma Rainey, I'm going with that too. So let's go to international feature film. We have another round, Better Days, Collective, The Man Who Sold His Skin, Quo Vadis Aida. It feels like this is another round. It would be, it would be one of the biggest shocks if it lost. Yeah, it's, it's winning and, and it's, it would be even winning without the Best Director nomination for Thomas Vinterberg. Even without that, it would still be the front runner uh, because so many times that there was an international or foreign film or film not in the English language category and Minari was there in one over another round, you know, it just didn't, it didn't represent what this race is because this race is so specific in how, you know, something is eligible. So it's, and because everybody can vote on it. So film editing, The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. This is quite interesting in this category, right? Yes, this is a category that is going to hinge on quite a few things and be potentially, potentially set and upset uh, or later in the evening. It is a very competitive category between two films, between Sound of Metal and Trial of Chicago 7, which have volleyed back and forth with, with wins all season. They tied at Critics' Choice, Sound of Metal won BAFTA, and Trial won Ace, the American Cinema Editors. So there is absolutely a case for both of those films to win, but the case is stronger for Sound of Metal. It's that's interesting. Cal Buchanan had an interesting theory on that. We were sort of wondering why Sound of Metal, which is, you know, a great movie, but it's not, the editing doesn't particularly stick out um, as some other movies like The Trial of Chicago 7, which has a lot of archival and goes back and forth in the narrative. But he was thinking it had to do with the drumming, that people are thinking of, of that as if it would have been an editing feature. I think sound of, I think sound of metal. I mean, I don't want to just say, "Hey, you know, Whiplash won this too," but I think that the people obviously make a connection between music and editing. Bohemian Rhapsody just won, you know, two years ago. Uh, make this connection between the two as as a complicated thing. You know, when you're when you're editing a musical performance in a film uh, and, and then if that factors into the uh, the overall storytelling and yeah, the editing in Sound of Metal is not showy. It's not super cutty. Um, while Chicago 7 is, the father is, again, just like with its other categories, the editing in this is probably the most crucial element to its success. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still hoping that even though I will take Sound of Metal, which I think is good, but um, I, would, I will be yelling in my sofa if the father takes these two. I just think that they're so impressive. It's stellar, it's stellar. Um, but you know, th th this, like I said, this is a really complicated 
complicated category and it is a, a category that could change quite a bit. If trial does win this, it would be a, a strange win to be its only win. It's not very common. Only one other film ever has been a best picture nominee and then only won this category. And that was Pride of the Yankees from 1942. Um, the last time that it happened was Girl with the Dragon Tattoo winning only film editing, but it had sound nominations and you know the best actress nominations and trial does not have sound and sound and editing go together very well which gives sound a medal that that push documentary short subject colette a concerto is a conversation do not split hunger ward and a love song for latasha which i haven't seen this is a tough category <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm thinking a do not split. I have it at number, I think I have it at number two right now. Let me double check. I, I have it at number one. I just think that it's, there's been so much talk about it. It's such a, it's really caused a, a political ruckus, but it's maybe not as emotional as some of the other ones. Well, what we have is four films that are very politically, dramatically driven films, which is very common in this category. Like we were talking about with the other short films, especially live action, where you know these serious, serious films are all weighing down the viewer. And maybe it's the film that gives them some light that is what they might want to go for. And a concerto is conversation is that film. And it's what I'm picking to win. It's also backed by Ava DuVernay. It's the shortest of the films. It's only 12 minutes long compared to like Hunger Ward, which is 40 minutes long, which really kind of pushes the boundaries of, of short film here. Uh, but, you know, Colette has a Holocaust element. Do not split is the Hong Kong protests. And I mean, you just, you have all these films that are timely and extremely competitive with each other in that way. Oh, you confused me on this one. I know. <laughs> I don't really know. Okay. I'm going to have to think about that, but you're going with the concerto. And it, it's not, of course, they were doing it behind it. Yeah. Yeah. You confused me on this one. I, I yeah, I, I am. It's, it, it's been available for a while pretty easily. Uh, I think PBS and, and New York times, and you can watch without any subscriptions and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, especially for the short categories, it's, if you're not seen, you're not seen period. And, you know, the, Acad the Academy at large is not all going to be voting for this. So it's really just going to be the people that are the, the completionists and, and vote. And, you know, the documentary branch is going to be voting on these and animation branch. And so it's, you, you have to think of where, maybe where they're going. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to think about that one from now until Sunday. <laughs> we'll see. And here's another category that is so difficult, and that's documentary. Um, collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, My Octopus Teacher, and Time. There's a lot of good movies here. This, this category just kind of blows my mind because, again, and I feel like I'm doing this too much, and it might be to my detriment. Again, we have a lot of films that are, you know, serious and timely and dramatic. And at one point they were kind of leading the way, you know, time and collective were uh, early front runners. Time is the overwhelming critics choice. It won LA and New York, NBR, National Society of Film Critics. It won everything. It was just an absolute steamroller. And then the guilds and groups and industry started voting and everything shifted and out of nowhere <laughs> my octopus teacher a, a, 
a nature documentary essentially made it. And this is- I even, can't even believe that it's put against a, a movie like Time. Or it is, it's so bizarre and nobody really saw this coming from earlier on. It's a Netflix film. Crip Camp is a Netflix film too. And that was clearly their choice uh, out of Sundance. And it was like, this is- What's the Obamas again? Yeah, it's, it's, it's our- you know, follow up to American Factory. We're going to get, you know, a third win in four years and it's going to be with this movie. And that's the funny thing about this race and campaigns is that you can do whatever you want and you can spend as much money as you want, but voters will tell you what they want. Um, and they did. They did with with my octopus <laughs> teacher. It's that won PGA and BAFTA. It is the front runner now. Oh my god! Are you are you doing my octopus teacher? I am. I can't. I I just have so much. I can't. I can't put my hand and pen to paper on that. <laughs> one. But uh, um, it depends on how much I want to win our Oscar pool. Um, yeah, but that's a hard one. I just think that there's several here, including Crip Camp Collective and Time, which are just movies of a generation, sort of in the documentary feature. And the guy fell in love with an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I mean, I have just read a lot of people that have a lot of animosity to towards this film, and I think it's, I think it's more about because it has so quickly surpassed their favorites, whether it's time or, or collective or, or crypt camp, which, you know, it's a bit of an uneven way to, uh, to look at, at something. But like I said, this is essentially a nature documentary, which just does not even usually get in here. No. Uh, that it was nominated alone was a, a surprise, but not a surprise because you had to kind of start really kind of reading the tea leaves that, that this was going to happen. And it's also the type of film that the nomination was the biggest obstacle. And now that it's in, it will be the most seen. It is the most emotional. Um, and it is more than just about his relationship to this octopus <laughs> because it really does become about his relationship with his son. And that his is, family. that's how it closes. And, and I just don't know how you can look at this and not, not feel that. And it is gorgeous. It's beautiful. Although I did clock one moment that was an, an edited little section that was used in a piece later yeah, it's manipulative. That That's that manipulated thing. a moment and it was mm. it was very obvious and it was strange that it would even be needed since they had a year's worth of, of footage. Uh, but it was it was odd. And it was, you know, in this moment to kind of create tension, you know, with the sharks looking for her. And it I was like, hold on, that was in the that was in the movie about 45 minutes ago. Hold on. And, and so whatever, you know, but if you're not watching it like that, you're obviously not going to see that and it's not going to matter. So in directing, we have Thomas Winterberg for another round, Mank, David Fincher, Minari, Lee Isaac Chung, Nomadland, Chloe Zhao, and Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennell. This feels like it's Chloe Zhao's. She's probably going to get like 60% of the votes, at least. She could even win. And that's wonderful. She could even win without what the a film winning. Moment. Yeah, it's going to be a, an, an amazing historic moment. She's only made three films. Well, four, but one hasn't come out yet. Uh, so I, I, I am so excited for this moment. And I'm excited that it's going to be an in-person thing because I want to see her outside of her blurry Zooms. <laughs> <laughs> She's lovely with her teacup, her coffee, and her braids. <laughs> she, I love her braids. She has also been the most gracious and thoughtful oh. winner and loser when she doesn't win. She's always the first to clap for somebody else. And she is, her DGA speech 
talking to each of the other nominees was incredible, incredible. It was, there was just so much thoughtfulness to that. And I know that's what we're going to see when she wins. And uh, I hope her speech goes on for 10 minutes. Yes, Steven Soderbergh, let her do that. <laughs> <laughs> or Glenn Weiss or whoever's in control of that. <laughs> All right, costume design. Emma, Marini's Black Bottom, Mank, Mulan, and Pinocchio. Uh, this is this is Ma Rainey's to lose again, and this is so crazy that this and Roth. This, I mean, yeah, this is a movie that is not Best Picture nominated yet. It's going to probably, maybe, win almost all of its nominations. This is going to be history making. It's crazy. Moving along, then, because we're both in agreement on that one. Cinematography: Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, News of the World, Nomadland, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. So Nomadland is Joshua James Richards, who is actually Chloe Zhao's partner in life. Correct. Yes. Which, which you know, I'm sure a lot of people don't know, and they're going to be like, oh, my God. Um, nice little couple thing to do. It's super cool. I love it. This, this, is, this should be a pretty easy win for Nomadland. Um, I'm not taking the, the Mank win at the... Uh, American Society of Cinematographers that seriously. Oh, you're not. Not really. No. I mean, when I, I to be clear, I'm not being dismissive. I'm just not looking at it as a game changer uh, at the last minute, especially when when looking at the the splits between ASC and BAFTA and and where things lean. Uh, the last three times there have been a split, um, the Oscars went with the BAFTA choice, which is Nomadland. I think so too. I'm absolutely going there and rooting for them to take home the hardware together. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want, want that to happen, uh, just, just to have that happen. But yeah. um, <laughs> there, there are elements that, that stand in in the way for that, um, like the best cinematography winner in the last twenty years has had a production design nomination, except for Birdman and Slumdog Millionaire. They're the only two that have not. Uh, and this doesn't. And that helps Mank, which is the production design frontrunner, um, because if Mank only wins production design, you know it. The stat for that is the only time that's happened to a Best Picture nominee is. Heaven Can Wait in 1978. So I, oh, wow. there are a dozen categories that we are going to see major history and stats break uh, because we're in such a truly exceptional year. Unless we don't, and we see a whole lot of upsets. And an upset here would be, you know, Mank winning this as well as production design. Uh, so it's possible, it's possible. Yeah, and the black and white photography and the Citizen Kane, you know, f incredible things they did to mirror that. And I mean, it's not it's not a crazy thought in any way. No, no. And the two films that I mentioned, Birdman and Slumdog Millionaire, were also Best Picture winners, which Nomadland is likely going to be and Mank is definitely not going to be. So that's the stronger force to me. So animated feature film also feels like it has a very strong front runner. That's Onward, Over the Moon, the Shaun, of, the, Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, Soul, and Wolf Walkers. This is Soul, right? Yeah, it would be an almost bigger upset than Chloe Zhao losing. The stranglehold that Pixar has on this category is really out of control. If they're there, they win. They've only lost three times, so... It's, it's tough. It's tough. And I just did my, my piece on that and it became more editorial than predictive, which I didn't want to do, but I just couldn't help it. And so <laughs> my thing was, is it, you know, name brand rec recognition above all is Disney simply the Meryl Streep of this category and Cartoon Saloon, the Glenn Close, because <laughs> this is Cartoon Saloon's so fourth, fun. it's the fourth nomination. Uh, for Cartoons Saloon, and they always lose to Pixar. And it isn't to discount Soul because it is an original film. 
Uh, it's not a uh, a sequel or anything else like Toy Story 4 last year. But I mean, this has been one of the biggest steamrolls in this category in quite some time. So, I mean, for Pixar anyway, Spider-Man was also a, a great steamroll and thankfully beat Pixar. But right, right. I, yeah, soul losing here would be just mind blowing. I hope it happens. I want it to happen, <laughs> but I would not predict it. So, actress in supporting role. Let's get into the actress here. Ah! The there could be lots of historic moments here, hopefully. Um, so, actress in supporting Maria Bakalova, Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman, Amanda Seyfried, and Yu Jung Yoon for Minari. It has to be Yoon, right? So, yes, amazing. yeah. Yoon is winning this. Uh, I would have predicted her even if she had lost the BAFTA, but she won the BAFTA. So, it's, she's winning. It's just a matter of who might be in second place. <laughs> uh, I'm going with that one too. Um, poor Glenn again, but I'm actually quite happy she's not winning for this role. I know you and I slightly disagree there, but <laughs> you know, I, I think she can do better. <laughs> I don't think she would be upset if she did win for this role. So, <laughs> um, I mean, she's she's proud of her work, and I don't think that she makes. Um, Oscar bait decisions in her projects. I think she makes decisions um, based on trying to do things that she hasn't done before. This is nothing like The Wife. This is nothing like 101 Dalmatians or Fatal Attraction. She makes decisions that challenge her and I love it. And that's why she's constantly recognized. That's why she has eight nominations because she is truly one of the most versatile actresses that we have working. She just finds herself against new competition or old competition and never, never can clinch it. She's always the bridesmaid. I think she will win eventually, but she's got to, she got to hurry up. She'll get the, uh, the, the, what's it called? The Oscar. The honorary. Honorary before she wins. Oh, I don't want that. <laughs> well, according to Kyle, I think she said Peter. It's the same as Peter O'Toole's trajectory. Yeah, it is. So, actress in leading role: Viola Davis, Andrew Day, Vanessa Kirby, Frances McDormand, and Carrie Mulligan. This is the hard one. Yeah. So this, along with song, is the most difficult because it has four performances that all can stake. A claim to win, justifiable with absolute, like, yes, this makes perfect sense. Um, it's it's extremely difficult. Anybody that anyone that gets this right doesn't actually have any bragging rights whatsoever. So you you can't, and I don't care who you are, <laughs> unless you pick Vanessa Kirby and she somehow wins. Anybody else though? <laughs> anyone else? Out of the game. <laughs> you're you don't have any bragging rights because there is no, there is no path that is better or more realistic than the other. There just isn't. I've made my pick though. I'm going with Viola Davis. I am also going with Viola Davis. Okay. Well, Which is no, it's no, no guts or glory for us, but still. <laughs> it's crazy because I started with Viola Davis way back in summer. Uh, and then leaned off of her in the last few months as, you know, McDormand, Mulligan, and Day kind of took a whole lot of limelight. Uh, but I am back on the Davis train. So actor in supporting roles, Sasha Baron Cohen, Daniel Kaluuya, Leslie Odom Jr., Paul Racy, and Lakeith Stanfield. And this has to be Daniel, who's won everything, right? So I was really cheeky today uh, in doing, and the last thing that I, that I was that I was working on before I, I jumped on when you emailed me uh, was supporting actor. And for every category, I have you know done these long pieces as to you know why somebody's going to win, why someone's not, who's the spoiler, all of these things. And for actor in a supporting role, my entire piece is 
Daniel Kaluuya is winning, period. And that is it. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, there is there is there is nothing more to say. And that obviously is not to take away from this category from anybody nominated or anything like that. That was just me oh, being excellent. That's just me being pretty cheeky. But this is this is the this it's the sweep. He's the only acting nominee to to sweep. And it this is something that happens, you know, pretty routinely every year, uh, with at least two or three, and sometimes all four. Well, a little rarely with all four to to go all the way, but it it's it's pretty common that we just see rubber stamping all season long, and he's the only one to do that. Yes, yeah, last year Brad Pitt, Laura Dern, everything, and and you know what's going to happen. And then we have actor in leading role, which is a little more tricky, maybe. Um, Liz, uh, Riz Ahmed, Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, and Stephen Yun. And it seems to be between Chadwick Boseman and perhaps Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, I think I think Hopkins' BAFTA win is wasn't too surprising, and I don't think it derails Chadwick Boseman at all. Although I, I mean, I really did expect Bozeman to to win BAFTA and to to join Daniel Kaluuya as as a uh, an unstoppable, you know, winner take all front runner. But I don't think it stops him. I think it puts Hopkins in a closer place, um, and there could be, as I, I think I have mentioned before, there could be a sort of sense from a voter. Oh, I'm sure Chadwick Boseman is winning, so I can put my vote to Anthony Hopkins and and feel good about it. And if enough people do that, that will shift <laughs> a race pretty quickly. But I don't think Boseman's losing. No, I think Chadwick Boseman is winning as well. So, and according to our predictions of these four, it's another historic moment. This would be um, that all of the four acting categories are non-white. Performers. Yes, and it will be four for four with the Screen Actors Guild in doing so, and and I, I just I I see it. This year is the year for that to happen because it probably won't anytime soon. No, this this is the one. <laughs> Make it happen, and they're just terrific performances. So so I hope that that oh happens. yeah, they're unimpeachable. So lastly, diving into Best Picture, um, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Do you have any doubts about Nomadland here? I don't think I have doubts. Uh, I do think that it's winning. I think, I think there is an argument to be made whether Trial of the Chicago Seven or Promising Young Woman is number two or number three. I know Kyle thinks that it's uh, Promising Young Woman is number two, and I can, yeah, he thinks it could be the year's parasite. I, I can I can see that, and and I've had it there. Uh, I did put Trial back at number two a few weeks ago, and I haven't done my my final you know Best Picture predictions yet, and that'll be out Thursday, I think. Um, and so, you know, trial has SAG and that East win, but without, without that best director nomination, it would have to then go into the Oscars with an upset in original screenplay, at least, um, because it can't win director. And if it does that, then it probably has, you know, the film editing win as well. And then it would have those three because Sasha Baron Cohen's not winning. Um, and there's there's no other place that it really can do that, so its path is extremely difficult to to jump over Nomadland's PGA Golden Globe BAFTA Critics Choice. It's really really tough. I love Promising Young Woman. It would definitely not make me sad, but I hundred percent think it's going to be Nomadland. Yeah, yeah. The Trial of Chicago Seven. I don't think even is up there this year. It's just not. It's not that conversation this year. Which is kind of ironic because it was kind of plopped down uh, to be the conversation Absolutely. this year. If that's why it's here. Um, 
It's, I mean, it's, yeah, the themes are seemingly what's going on, but not really emotionally. No, because everything is from a white perspective. <laughs> so that's where I'll be with Nomad Lab. Me too. Me too. <laughs> all right. This is always so great, Eric. It's going to be so interesting to see um, how we did on uh, Sunday night. Um, and uh, what there's always a surprise or two that it's just like, what? Mm -hmm. Didn't even think of that coming. <laughs> mm -hmm. There will be, there but will be at least one. At least one, yeah. <laughs> Eric, thank you so much. This is always great. And we'll, of course, um, talk again after this enormously long Oscar period about other things. Yes. About the next Oscar year. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's it's already almost there. We've, we're, we're folding in Emmy season before this Oscar season's even done. And then that'll be done. And then there you go. Fall festivals, Oscar season again. And time will be just a blip. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. <laughs> 